Um, church, I hope you heard yourself singing this morning. That was really encouraging to me. Um, you guys sound really good. I did get the sound booth to promise not to turn my mic on when we were singing so you wouldn't be chased out of here. Um, Becky's going to share just a few things about what's been going on in our home church in Taiwan. And then I'm going to share some bigger things that are going on and, and look at God's word and how it might apply to us across the world. So um, some of you have been here on Wednesday night when I've been visiting and have heard a little bit before about um, we have the real privilege to be smart of a brand new church. It's just actually now about two and a half years old. Uh, in Taipei that was started by some of the leadership from our Baptist seminary that's uh, there in the same city where we live in Taipei. And the church is called Mu Xin. And so if you can say Mu like a cow and you can say Xin like the glow on somebody's head who doesn't have any hair, you can say Mu Xin. <laughs> not that I'm referring to anybody in particular. Um, You're not talking about Gary, are you? Well, I, I wasn't mentioning my younger brother either, but uh, we will go there. Um, anyways, Mushing is a, just a little church that's um, just started from nothing. We, sometimes we call it a zero to one. So sometimes a church plant, many of you have heard about mission trails and some of the other churches started with a core group. But instead, this church has gone into community very prayerfully. Uh, God miraculously uh, arranged a place for them to meet. It's a storefront church. So literally, the whole back of the church, it's just a little one-room church, like a one-room school. It's a one-room church. And the whole back is glass. And so everyone walking by can see inside and get to know what's going on. And it's a real light in a community that's pretty dark in that, in that part of Taipei. Um, we're doing all kinds of things to reach out, to meet people in the community. We've had uh, teams from our church in Riverside come and start a kids' ministry. So we've had kids' camp. We've started a kids' club on Saturday afternoons, and we have a handful of kids that are coming in regularly. But one of my favorite things, and probably, I guess really I'd say my favorite thing about being a missionary is having the opportunity to... Um, we, I do conversational English classes based on the Bible and how does it relate to day, everyday life. And so lots of people are interested in learning English. They've studied it in school, but a lot of people, just like you studied Spanish, you can't really have conversations. And so we do icebreakers and play games and talk about that. But we open God's Word and read about it. And many people, it's the first time they've ever read a Bible. They, people in Taiwan know about Christianity, but they really don't know about the Word of God and the message of that his of his word to the world and so it's a real privilege i want to tell you about ting um i have three people that i've really been praying for and some of you heard about denny and Elian. and ting is a young professional woman a single woman who um has her just finished her mba she went to study in england for her mba and so before then she came to the class and started studying and then afterwards she's come back and since she's come back i found out that actually her brother is a christian and I, I was so excited to hear that, and my co-worker actually met her brother because he works for a company in Vietnam, and she was there visiting, and it's an amazing story, which I don't have time to tell, but um, anyways, and when I talked to Ting, I said, oh, Ting, you know, I'm so glad to hear about your brother, uh, that your brother's a Christian, that's real interesting, and I said, has it made a difference in your family's life, like, it, you know, because a lot of times 
you know, thankfully, that when people come to faith, they real, their lives change, and they become better people. They become better workers and better family members. And she said, well, it's okay. And I said, oh, is there something going on? And she said, well, he's really, I, he wants me to become a Christian. And, you know, like it, she's kind of, like, really resisting that. So I think they've kind of come to a truth that he doesn't, like, try to actively share with her. But I know he's been praying because God brought her to this group. And she has questions about Christianity. She has questions about Jesus. But it's too uncomfortable for her to talk to her brother about it. So she, But she's bringing her questions and she's coming. And we did a story last summer before I left that she had read the time before. And it's the, um, the woman at the well. And um, as we read it the second time, she said, you know, I read this story before. We did this in class. But this time it has a different meaning to me. And I'm seeing different things about that. Why, why is that so? And I'm like, that's the word of God. That's the spirit that even, I've been a Christian many, many years. And yet when I'm truly coming to the word to read and hear from God, he will speak to me. So I want you to pray for Ting and, and pray for her brother that he'll be patient and, and long-suffering in, in his desire to see his family come to Christ. Sure, about baptism. Oh, and we just heard like yesterday, um, our coworker, our local coworker there, she sent me a message. She's like, are you going to be in church next Sunday? They want to welcome us back. But she also said that they're planning for their baptism. It'll be the third baptism that the church has had. And there are three people ready to commit to Christ and, and follow in baptism. So that's a real joy and a real praise. Um. I don't know about you, but I was really encouraged by the worship team this morning seeing four young men standing in front of us leading us in worship. That was incredible. Um, we, uh, I'm, I'm a stalker. I, I stalk you, Del Cerro, on Facebook. I don't post much. I just follow what's going on. And I want you to know I'm kind of excited about Del Cerro right now. Um, I'm excited about the front rows here, the young guys sitting up front here. I'm excited about your future. Um, I read Dustin's 12-year plan, and I kind of got excited. I mean, it's, it's the direction the church should be going. And so I'm greatly encouraged. Dustin, Susan, thank you. I'm just um, really grateful for them. Um, I told Georgia when we were visiting before service, I was going to try not to bore her. Um, so um, I'm going to try. I cannot guarantee anything. Um, when we went back four years ago, uh, we went back to things that we didn't know that were going to be going on. We didn't know about Mushing South Church. Um, before we, <clears throat> we left to come to the U.S., I'd gone to see the seminary president. In, in seminary in Taiwan, students every semester have to spend every weekend in an internship at a church. So I, I'd gone by to pray with the president for the start of this term and I said, why don't we ever send any interns to work with church plants? But up until that point, they'd only had two church plants in 22 years. So he said, we really don't have a need for it. But he and the dean of students, our, our pastor, Pastor Yeh, started to pray. And they decided that they would start this church with three seminary interns. And it's just been a, an incredible experience. Three years ago, we were off at a meeting in Thailand. And I got a message on my phone. And Dustin, I did turn my phone off this morning. Thank you for that reminder. Um, 
I got a, we were in a big meeting. I should have had my phone off, but I didn't. And it went off, and the Baptist godfather, 96-year-old retired pastor, had passed away. And he, is, he was larger than life. I mean, his shadow was huge. Everywhere you went, this shadow followed you. And we, um, we'd been back from the meeting about a week, and the president of the seminary called me. And he said, you're going to have a, a retreat of your missionaries on our campus on September 29th. And I said, no money, no time, no plans. He said, September 29th, you're going to be on our campus, you're going to have a retreat. Sorry, no money, no plans, no time. And this is kind of the Chinese dance. You know, they have to ask three times, you say no, and then you're not being rude. But really, I had no plans, no intention. And so finally I agreed. He paid for it, which was another miracle. But um, we, we, we went, we had a retreat, and we, we worshiped together, we prayed together. He told the story of how missionaries had started this seminary. And then he, and, and, um, then he said, Jim, you stand up and share your vision. And I shared it. We want to see churches planted. We want to see every church become healthier. We want to see the next generation of leaders, one to Christ, discipled and trained to lead our churches. In the next five to eight years, 30%, one-third of our pastors will retire. And we don't have people to lead the churches. And so we need to intentionally reach that next generation of church leaders. And then I shared, we want to be helping the Taiwanese. The biggest transition in, in you, you think your church is going through transitions. In the mission world, our world is changing dramatically. Right now, receiving countries, those countries that for generations have received missionaries are now becoming sending nations. Right now, uh, the two largest house churches in China, they're sending out missionaries. Now, their two networks combined are larger than the Southern Baptist Convention. But they have no missions history. And their people move to different places in the world, and they don't know how to learn another language. They don't know how to live in a different culture. They don't know how to do ministry cross-culturally. So we at the IMB have been invited to become their field mentors and coaches and help them in that process. We, and, and, and I was telling Dustin before service, we're seeing some incredible things happen. We have a Korean-American couple that are in Cambodia working with mainland Chinese missionaries and local Cambodians. In August, they had 400 people come to faith. They had a retreat for young Cambodian university students, and 11 were baptized in the beach, at the beach. There, and, and so we're seeing some major changes in, in what's expected of us. You know, missionaries, we're supposed to go and we're supposed to share the gospel and plant churches. But right now, our role is changing. And God is doing an amazing work. Well, at this retreat, I shared this vision. And the seminary president said, I accept it. He turned to the leader of our Baptist churches and he said, do you accept it? He said, I do. And it was kind of, it was kind of like a wedding ceremony. And they walked up to me and 
five minutes later and said, okay, tomorrow, your office, 1030, we're starting to pray that we'll be able to plant 100 churches in 10 years. Remember what I said, that in 22 years, they'd intentionally planted two churches. But they said, we want to see 100 churches planted in the next 10 years. But we met the next day to pray, and it was amazing. But what I've learned since that time, what I've learned since that day, is that there had been decades of broken relationships. You know, when we live in a different culture, a lot of times we can't see and we can't understand stuff that's going on around us. And after 16 years, I'm still clueless. I have no idea half the time. I can say the words, but I miss a lot. But one of the things that we've come to realize is that the seminary and the churches and the conventions and the missionaries all have broken relationships. And everything had ground to a halt. Nobody was moving forward in their walk with Christ. And nobody was moving forward in reaching people. And, and everything was stalled. And so this last three years, I've had to work through in my own mind what the gospel says about relationships. I've had to work through, I've seen the results of a lifetime of broken relationships and how it hurt churches, how it hurt uh, the combined work of the churches, how it has held the kingdom back. And over this time, Romans chapter 12 has been incredibly helpful in that process. Now, take your Bible, and since we're not using our electronic ones, take the black pew Bible that's in front of you. And open to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. You know, Paul, when he writes... He often starts with theology and then he moves to practical application. And so we're going to look at some of that today. What he says about life theologically and then what it means for how we live daily. Romans 12 verse 1. I appeal to you therefore brothers and sisters by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. You know, I know that a lot of people think that missionaries are special people. I, I, I want to tell you, stop it. Like, I, you know, some of our missionary heroes that we've heard about for years, once we moved to Taiwan, we started to hear about what their life was like. And one of, the, one of my heroes, Dr. Culpepper, was the president of the seminary. And he, they used to talk about mission meetings where people would argue about budgets and who gets which car, who lives where, and who, who does what. And I remember hearing a story about him one day. He got so mad at his wife, he threw his Bible across the sanctuary and hit her in the head. So missionaries are pretty much normal people. I hope we're normal. We may be abnormal, but if we are, please just ignore that fact. But a lot of people think that missionaries and pastors 
have a special call on their lives that they have, they have heard from God and they've put their life on the altar. But Paul is saying this in this passage that this is the norm for, for Christians, for Christ followers, that we're all to put our lives on the altar and say, here God, here is my life. Here am I. Now it's not a dead sacrifice like the Old Testament. I'm reading through the Old Testament now and... <clears throat> My goodness, a lot of animals paid the price for our sin. But now, we're a living sacrifice. We, we are not to die on the altar, but we're to live. And, and to, to live in a different culture oftentimes is, is, is a challenge, you know. Lots of times you'll go, try to go do one thing and it'll take three days to get it done. You, you, it, it just takes forever. And, and I remember Jerry Rankin telling a story of one year he, he had to go in and um, re-register his car and then get the insurance. And he drove six hours to the city to, to get, go to the government office and then the person who was supposed to do the paperwork wasn't there. So he drove home six hours and came back the next day and had forgot a piece of paper. Had to drive home six hours, get the piece of paper. And the third day, he finally was able to go into the office and he finally got everything stamped the way it was to be. And Dr. Rankin talked about how easy it would have been to become angry and frustrated and let everyone know how angry he was. We're to live, you know, in, in this passage it says, the renewal of your mind. This morning when I was shaving, I was praying, one, I wouldn't miss anything. But secondly, I was saying, Lord Jesus, today the gospel has to make a difference in my life. The gospel is not just what I accepted 40 plus years ago as a high school senior in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. It's not just that. I've been sick for four weeks. It's not just that pray to receive Christ, but the gospel is at work in my life each and every day. You know, there are plenty of dark places in my heart. There are plenty of places where it's kind of ugly. And I know some of your Sunday school material right now that you're going through talks about how the cross has to shine in all parts of our life. And that's what it means to be a living sacrifice. That I'm daily saying no to myself and no to my desires. It's daily saying, I can set aside myself for the purpose of the gospel for the life of the church, for the life of my family, for the unsaved in the world. I can allow the gospel to transform me each and every day. It's a living sacrifice. It is to, some days I think it would be a whole lot easier just to die and be done with all this stuff. But Christ calls us to live and to live with Him wherever we are, whatever the context.
And the, then, verse and on, he begins to talk, Paul begins to talk about what's this going to look like in our lives? What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? You know, what happened in Taiwan is years ago, pastors and churches and individuals had expectations. They expected missionaries to do this. They expected pastors to do that. They expected God to do something special in their lives. And when those expectations were unfulfilled, they became disappointed, depressed, and angry. They began to hold things against others. And they didn't clear up their relationships. And the gospel movement stopped. And the church began to develop a bad reputation. Folks, I know in a room with this many people, we all have expectations that haven't been fulfilled. We all have expectations that God would have done something different. When I was in university, I swam at the, for the University of Arkansas, and we had a supporter who offered everyone on the team, this is a long time ago, $100 worth of Walmart shares. I'm a legalist at heart, okay? And for me to receive those hundred shares, it's NCA rules. So I said, no. A friend of mine who took those shares retired at 50. I'm disappointed in myself. What could life have been like had I taken those hundred shares? have those expectations. We have people who have let us down. And we have to take those expectations. That's part of being that living sacrifice. Take those things and put them on the altar. Let God heal them and take care of them for us. And then sit back and watch and see what God does. In verse 3 and following, he begins to talk about grace gifts that he gives the church. So part of being a life, or a living sacrifice, I can speak English sometimes, I can. Um, part of being a li living sacrifice is taking those gifts that God puts in our lives and using them corporately. It is, I'm not going to look at the young adults right now, but it, it, it's being willing to serve with the little kids in Sunday school or in nursery. Our, when we went to seminary in Fort Worth, our church had a gazillion kids. And I won't tell you that I changed Andy Wooster's diapers. But I might have. Um, but at church, to be a member of the church, we had to agree to work in the nursery once a quarter. That was a membership requirement So there, because there were so many snotty little kids. I mean, um, and, and I'm, a, I, I'm a bit of a cranky old man now, but back then I was a nice guy. And guys from my small group would come and say, hey, I've invited a non-Christian to church this Sunday, but I'm supposed to, and he can come, and I'm supposed to be in nursery. Will you cover for me? And it, it, you know, six weeks in a row. 
Mickey thinks that, you know, my ability to amuse little kids today grows from that experience. I'm not sure. Um, I think it's just I'm weird. But um, God gifts us, and part of that living sacrifice is taking those gifts and using them. Part of the challenge of the global church today is we've become consumers. We consume religious experience. We, we don't even have to go to the bookstore anymore. We can buy all the books we want on Amazon. Download them, read them. Um, we, we can be a consumer of religious experience. And we never have to get involved with people. But God's called us to be integrated and to be a part of the lives of other people. That's why he gifts us. And he promises that every believer has been gifted. And the place he wants us to live out that gifting is among his people. And so, being a living sacrifice is saying, sometimes, I don't feel like changing a diaper this Sunday, but going ahead and doing it. Sometimes it's saying, I'm, I'm feeling a little stiff and sore this morning. I'm going to go ahead and serve. Because God has called me to this body of believers. God has put me among this people, not just for my good, but for theirs. Look at this verse. Verse 3, it says, For by the grace given to me, I say to you, everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought. Folks, being a parent was re is really hard for me. I, I see all of my bad character qualities magnified in my kids. Stop laughing, Colin. <laughs> he, you know, you... you I, I used to pray, oh, Lord, let the boys be like Becky and not like me. Oh, Lord. And then there were days I would cry because they look nothing like her. They look more like me. We are called. We're, we, when, we, when we look at the body, we're a part of the body. You know, um, I'm not an all-star. I'm, I'm probably better at changing diapers and cleaning floors than I am at preaching and doing the upfront kind of thing. But I'm called to be a part of the body. And, and, and I'm an off-the-charts introvert. The first time I took Myers-Briggs, I scored zero on extroversion. Folks, um, lots of days I'd rather stay home and read a book and not do anything. But God has called and put me in the midst of a body and a group of people that are working together for the purpose of advancing the kingdom. So no matter our age, no matter where we are in life, God has gifted you. And part of being a living sacrifice is finding that place where you can serve. It's, it is finding in, in, in investing in the life of the body. You may not be able to chase the kids around the nursery, 
but you can pray for them. You can join Pastor Dustin in praying for good teachers. You can join the church leadership in seeking to the, the God of the universe that he would call out families from this community who have no relationship with Christ. Now that's not, praying is praying. It's not gossiping. It is bringing something before the Father and laying it before him clearly and concisely. Folks, God has gifted you. God has gifted everyone in this room. Every single person. And now, we need to serve. We all need to serve. And that's what it means to be a living sacrifice. There's lots of stuff in our little church in Taipei that I don't like. There's, there's things that I don't like. But I'm going to give, I'm going to go, and I'm going to serve. Moving a little further down. So, to be a living sacrifice, just to summarize, we need to have a realistic understanding of who we are. We're not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. That doesn't mean we, we, we eviscerate ourselves in self-critical evaluation. But it is to note that we're all sinners. We're saved by grace. That he has gifted us, and then we align our lives with him in the church and work and serve together. <clears throat> oh, my goodness. If you'll just go down to verse 10. Um, this verse has, when I read this, I think in, in terms of culture. Verse 10 says, Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. In culture, I'm ordained, I'm a special person. Um, I am treated with special honor and, and I'm given certain privileges because of that. Uh, when we used to go to Korean churches, um, because I'm ordained and I would go to church meetings, they would take all the ordained people and put them in a little room and feed them a special meal. Um, that's not the kind of honor I'm talking about. That's not the kind of honor that Paul is talking about. The, the kind of honor and the way we live as a living sacrifice is that we see the work that God is doing in the lives of individuals and we honor that. We celebrate what is happening in the lives of people. And so, around the room today, there are some people that are hurting. Hurting's not bad. That's part of life. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world that's broken with sin. And honoring people is acknowledging that that pain that they're facing is real. That there are real hurts out there. That this world is broken and devastated. And it hurts people around us. But at the same time, Christ is giving victory in the midst of that. We sang about that this morning. 
that, that in, in honoring people is to say, not that you have a special position, not that you're reverend, not that I'm a doctor. It is to say that God is at work in your life today. Within the context of his people, he's at work in our lives, and he's working out the pains and the hurts. He's at work in our lives, bringing us to completion in him. He is taking the dark places in my heart. He's shining his light on that, and he's transforming me. And my hope is John 1, where he says that the light will never be overcome by darkness. So the, the hurt of broken expectations, the hurt of people letting us down in life, the light of Christ will shine on that hurt and that darkness and bring us, reconcile us, and restore us. Church, that's something to celebrate. You know, for, for Buddhists and Taoists in Taiwan, when they go to the temple, they'll go through their rituals and they'll say, hello, whichever God you are today, I'm worshiping. My name is such and such. This is my birth date and this is my address. So if you hear my prayer and you send me this blessing, don't give it to anyone else. Our God knows us. I jokingly say he, he can count how few hairs I have on my head. He knows us intimately. He knows the details of our lives. The God of the universe knows your hurts. He knows where people have let you down. He knows it. And he's prepared to help you deal with it. You know, there's lots of hurt out there. But there's a whole lot of healing to go along with it. So how do we honor people today? As a living sacrifice, as we walk away from here today, we know that there's hurt out there. We know that we have friends in here in, in the sanctuary today. We're facing difficulties and challenges. And as a living sacrifice, we acknowledge that. And then we align our life with the, the Father. We say, God, use me today to help. Father, use me today to make a difference in this. And then tomorrow when we go to work, when we go to school, There are going to be those opportunities. But tomorrow morning, I'll have to look in the mirror and say, Jesus, what does this gospel say to me today? What, you know, I, I will get up early. I will press on. I will be with people when I don't want to be. I'll do one another in showing honor. Church, can we do that? Can we do that today? Can we show honor to all of those who? Can we acknowledge their lives, the value that they have, that each of us created in the image of God has worth and value beyond 
what this world brings to us. Can we do that? When we do that, we become something different. Becky has shared with you about Ulian. She's a lady that's been coming to her Tuesday night group. She's an elderly lady that is beyond timid. It's obvious that there's been abuse in her life. There, she's been beaten down, whether by a husband, a father, or others. And she was having a really bad day one day, and our interns were out by the university where she used to teach, and they handed her an invitation card to Becky's Tuesday night group and all the other activities that the little church is doing. And she said, when I took that piece of paper, I felt safe. I felt okay. I felt peace. Now, we know that a piece of paper can't do that for you. That comes from Christ alone. Uh, but she was so timid, she then began to case the church like a, you know, a criminal. She would walk by, and Becky said the, the front is open, it's a glass wall, and she would look in and she would watch. And the new semester of Becky's classes were starting, and and she said, I'm going to go try. And she got there, and there was another first-time student, and he's big. Like, he intimidated me when I met him on the sidewalk. Like, tall, big. He, you know, if he was in North America, I'd think he was doing steroids. But um, she was outside. She was intimidated by him. She was afraid of what might go on inside, but she came in. And when we asked her, what, what has she experienced when being a part of this group, looking at the Word, she said, I feel safe. Folks, when we on, honor one another, Dustin prayed this morning. And the subtext of his prayer, pastoral prayer, this morning was, Lord, make us a safe place for us. Make this church safe. When we are that living sacrifice, Del Sarah will be a safe place for the nation. So my question for you this morning is, are you willing to be that living sacrifice that Paul calls for? Will you look at yourself honestly, understand who you are in the gospel, allow the gospel to speak to you daily, transforming your heart and your mind, Will you be willing to be that living sacrifice that says, I'm going to serve wherever God needs me? This morning, will you say, I'm willing to be that living sacrifice that lives to, to honor others? Will you be that today? We're going to sing a, a song of invitation and commitment. Pastor Dustin will be here. But I want to say to you this morning, if you're hurting, the front is open. You can come pray. You can pray where you're sitting. You can bring those broken expectations to the Father. You can bring that hurt, and you can ask Him to begin to heal you. But brothers and sisters, He doesn't do that alone. He only does that as you interact with the body. Only as you interact with one another. So, 
my question for you today is will you engage? Will you become a part of this body living as a living sacrifice today? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning and the opportunity you've given us to be together. I thank you for your word that challenges and, and pushes me forward in so many ways. And I pray that you would do your work in my heart to bring me to that place where I truly am a living sacrifice.